Welcome to Vermont Music Show, a place where Vermont musicians talk about Vermont music and their musicianship and tell the stories of how they got here and where they're going. Hosted by myself, Will Andrews, a.k.a. Wolverine, and... And I'm Mark Daly, a.k.a. Medela. Uh, in this week's episode, we will be talking with bassist, songwriter, and producer Josh Weinstein, a.k.a. Moonwake Beats. Um, first off, Josh is a straight-up killer bassist. One with fantastic tone and shape, music school chops, and the melodic understanding and sensibility of a horn or piano player. If you've seen live music in Vermont in the past 15 or so years, you've probably heard and seen Josh play. Josh has been the longtime bassist for Cat Wright and held down the low end for the Dead Sessions and Mosaic Band, as well as countless other gigs around town. Recently, Josh has been writing, recording, and producing beats and instrumentals under the name Moonwake Beats, which gives him another avenue to showcase his immense music musicianship. <laughs> Sorry, um, pumped to be talking with you today, Josh Weinstein. Welcome to the show. Very excited to be here. Honored. Thanks for that very kind intro. Yeah, man. Uh, happy to have you here too. You were on our short list when we started to kind of brainstorm who we wanted to talk with, um, for a million reasons. But let's get right to it. So, like, let's tell us a little bit about your background as a musician, how you got up to Vermont. Are you from Vermont? Not originally from Vermont. Originally okay. born and raised in uh, the Upper West Side of Manhattan. Okay. And uh, when I was 10, I moved out to Long Island and then had like a pretty typical suburban, you know, adolescence and came to University of Vermont um, when I was 17 and never went home. Loved Vermont. The moment I got here was like, I just... These are my people. I was, I was, the vibe was right. And, um, met my wife here and music and the whole thing. So that's like, that's how I got to Vermont. Were you a music major at UVM? I was actually a music minor, okay. but I might as well. I was an economics major. Exciting. And, uh, yeah, I'm really using that econ major was, a lot these days. I was going to say, what was your major? It, you were at, you were on the music building all the time. Yeah, you, I might you as, felt I, like I, a major. Yeah, I might as well have been a music major. I took so many music classes, way more than I needed to to like, you know, get my music minor degree. Um, but yeah, I just didn't end up doing the double major, so I just did it as a minor. It was just it was nice and casual, and um, that was that was my. I took lessons and and everything at at the music building with. Uh, John Rivers studied upright, mm -hmm. which was huge. And um, yeah. Did you guys you go know, to college at the same time? Were you guys both at UVM at the same time? We were. Okay. Yeah. I met Josh at UVM. Yeah. We, you were like one of my main like music buddies. Like I felt yeah. I wasn't like intimidated by you. We were like on the same wavelength and like obviously loved you as a person your personality like some people are just either real like way too good or just like yeah personality wise intimidating and josh yeah. was always like kind of one of my allies in the music like, department likewise likewise what yeah, man what, you know what struck me was will's intro can you believe like 15 years like we've may, potentially more or less been on the the scene here I like know. we're getting old that just like that number really stood out to me <laughs> i'm with you i have to check myself 15 years it's kind of mind-blowing 
the longest place I've and like talking about where I'm from and now yeah. being like being here for 15 years. Does that make me as a Vermonter, you know, Mark, like, does that make me a Vermonter now? Because it's the longest place I've lived somewhere. Probably not. Right. You'd think, I don't know. I don't know the standard, but like true Vermonters are pretty harsh. They're like, you got to be a third generation to be, call yourself a true Vermonter, some shit like that. I don't know. (laughs) Well, I feel very connected now being like the, being the place I've lived the longest in my life. I think you've earned it, my man. (laughs) Uh, When you were in college, were you gigging in town? Um, A little bit. Yeah. As like, the second half like my junior and senior year started playing out a little bit doing the jazz thing and i the first like bear aquarium yeah i I had a college band tequila mockingbird oh sick shout out yeah yes you know we did like the the basement house party thing and then and then bear aquarium which had some of the same guys from tequila mockingbird that like came out of ray vega's latin jazz ensemble it was like a bunch of those guys in that band or in that ensemble we got together and started bear aquarium which was like an afro funk instrumental thing for a few years yeah i like remember that gig in burlington um was purcell part of that dave was definitely part of that yeah, yeah. um yeah i remember playing so we would be uh, we go out to St. Lawrence and play the, yeah. the Java barn. And there mm-hmm. was some like inside joke with all the sound guys there. Everyone would just yell bear aquarium and they would just all be yelling it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yes. <laughs> like multiple, <laughs> was, multiple it was years. Like the way you guys said it too. And I've correct me if I'm wrong, Josh, but a bunch of you like lived in the same house or apartment yeah. mm-hmm. and just the way they, it turned into that's funny to hear you guys are doing it at Java Barn, like over in St. Lawrence. It turned it's into this thing like you guys would just be like, Baquarium, Baquarium. Baquarium. Yeah. yeah. And and basically, <laughs> the origins of the Baquarium was we lived in an apartment on North Union Street and we had this really great setup. It was like kind of a classic Burlington apartment complex, but we had seven dudes, four on one apartment and three in another apartment across the hall and connecting the two apartments was this like i i don't know if you'd call it like a dumb waiter or a wait, whatever that name is or an elevator shaft but some sort of empty space with a, like okay. a, a skylight at the top and we threw a bunch of crap in there or there was a bunch of shit in there and there was like a big cutout bear and it was kind of like when you looked inside you see a bunch of windows and it was like the bear aquarium, bear aquarium. And then we were like, <laughs> that's like kind of the origin story. And then we named different rooms, like the living room, like we'd have like a one of the the globes, which would open up and be a liquor cabinet. That was the classarium, you know, oh. and <laughs> that was like, that was my crew at the uh, at the end of college. It was good times. I feel like I remember you guys playing there some sort of music thing happening there and it just getting shut down by the cops pretty quickly just because of like noise complaint or some probably. shit probably 
Yeah. Um, before you came up to Vermont, were you gigging a lot in Long Island, New York? I so I didn't really start playing music till I was like, I don't know, 14, 15, maybe. I learned on acoustic guitar. I was like a Dave Matthews band. I was like into Dave Matthews band. I was like, I, I basically learned how to play acoustic guitar first from listening to that stuff. I was a camp kid and like a camp counselor. So at, at summer camp, I was like, all of my firsts happened at camp, which was in like uh, Copake, New York. But I learned how to play guitar then. And then I, I came home and my good friend, Jay Gold, shout out. Um, he was starting a rock band and he needed a bass player and a singer. And at the time I was like singing a little bit, singing a little bit. I, I sing in choir and stuff, but I wasn't like, I don't know. I didn't consider myself a great singer or anything, but he said, hey dude, bass is easy. I know you can sing, play in the band. And that was like, that was the thing. Started playing bass. Bass felt super natural to me. And like, I credit so much of me being a musician to Jake and his younger brother, Matt. They were, they're both like incredibly musical, still, still playing music today professionally. And like, you know, all the basement, we had the basement hangs and like, that's where like the whole thing developed for me of like, oh my God, music is the best, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're all kind of in agreement there. Um, you know, <laughs> so, uh, okay. So college then bear aquarium. And during that time you were, you, were you just gigging? Were you, did you have a job where you're like, I'm just going full speed into music. Were you teaching? Like what, what was that like? Full speed into music over the summers. Um, like until senior year, every summer I came home and I caddied at a golf club in Long Island and made bank doing that thing and living with my parents, parents and just like, you know, just made bank. So then I, it kind of kept bringing me back home and it was good because I'd connect with my high school crew that like we had a, we had like a, a music thing going on. That was like my, that was my roots, I guess you'd call it. And then one, I think at the end of college, we, Bear Aquarium was like, okay, let's like start doing the thing where we start touring around the Northeast and sleeping on floors and all that stuff. And yeah, then we started, I started doing that, but I don't, I didn't have a job. I'm trying to remember at, at a certain point, I got a job at Marco's delivering pizza. I, re I remember that, you know, and then eventually urban moonshine. Um, but at that point I'd already kind of switched to bear aquarium. It, it's funny when you think about eras of your life and like the bands that you were in for me bear aquarium feels like i was in it for a long time like we were a band for a long time but when i look back on it now i'm like wow that was really only what two maybe two and a half years but it felt like a lot you know because of maybe because it was connected to college that it felt like a long time yeah. i've been playing with cat for like a decade now yeah right you know so it's it's trippy to think about I feel like in, when we're younger back in that, those phases, that those stages, time does go a little slower, maybe. I, I, I totally know what you mean by mm -hmm. how it felt like a longer period of time. Maybe right. it's because you had like friends that started before the, that the band actually begun and then maybe friends, you know, it continued afterwards. Maybe. Yeah. No, that's, that's definitely true. There was like a circle around Bear Aquarium that wasn't even just the band, but like also the... The crew. Barquaria. Barquarium. <laughs> that's amazing that the Java Barn story, because that, yeah. that stuck around for a while too. And we went to the Java yeah. Barn a lot. Like we went to the old Java Barn Same. and then, you know, yeah. the new one, obviously. Yeah. I think there's so, I think they're still saying it. 
They're, still, right now. they're still saying awesome. it. We definitely crashed at the Java barn. Like one of their people's, like, you know, most people, I don't know, pro- probably did the university in thing, yep. and like the, the hotels and stuff. Cause that was like exciting. And we were, <laughs> we went hard. We went to the Java barn. We went hard for sure. Yeah. We, I probably played the Java barn maybe 10 times in different bands and all different stuff. And yeah, early on, I, I played there when Zach was still at St. Lawrence running yes. sound for the Java Barn. I mean, that's like, and then multiple years afterwards with with Zach's band and with um, Bodica and with all yeah. different stuff. And and I mean, every t- every single time they were saying Bear Aquarium. <laughs> that's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> that makes me pretty happy, I gotta yeah. say. That p- place is kind of a relic. Like, yeah. And, and when you go into the green room, like for college venues, it's kind of, it's got a lot of history. You go uh-huh. into that green room and there's the posters all over the place totally. and mm-hmm. like the really old pictures of people. Like I remember seeing a Guster one and just like laughing at how Ryan Miller looked and sort of like, totally <laughs> like prying, prying him about it and like, yep. or trolling him, I should say. Um, so this, you bear aquarium what happened so it's sort of like fizzled out and then you find yourself starting to play a radio bean yeah every week how did uh maybe talk about the the beginnings of like the soul sessions and with cad and mm-hmm. all that yeah so bear aquarium was still playing and we were doing our thing and dan ryan was actually the one that brought me into the soul sessions fold they needed a bass player and i was super like kind of taken aback that dan we hadn't really played much so i was just surprised that he knew about me i wanted anyway um he brought me into the fold and we started playing and like while that thursday night thing was starting to generate some buzz the bear aquarium thing was we we had a whole bunch of like things for various reasons people leaving personnel leaving it just like it just happened naturally that eventually it was like okay this is kind of done and cat's thing became the priority yeah, that's a tough time. Like after college, people are starting to choose career paths and just it's that's a hard time to maintain a band for sure. Yeah, yeah. It was like we had this lead singer and it was cool for a while. And then he left because he wasn't sure he wanted to do the thing. And then that just killed all the momentum. And then he wanted to come back. But by the time he came back, it was like timing is everything. You know, you got to ride that momentum. And it's like you need that wind to push those sales, baby. <laughs> I remember you guys had like a waterfront, maybe jazz fest, pretty mm-hmm. big Sharon slot. Jones with Sharon Jones. Yeah. I like yeah. almost was going to sing with you guys on that show. And I was oh, like wow. listening to a song and trying to like emulate, um, Oh, I know what uh, Justin's about. voice. And I was like, I don't sound anything like this guy. <laughs> yeah. 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 But it ultimately it didn't end up happening, but that is just another random tidbit of history there. Yeah, we had our time, Mark. We had some time. We had some times. Yeah. Now, did the soul or did soul sessions um, manifest or morph from the jazz sessions? Was was Thursday night the jazz thing, and then it became soul? Or yes, I'm pretty sure it was. Like the story goes that I think Shane Shane was like the because he was kind of doing the jazz sessions, and he had gone to Cat being like. You know, she was new to town and was like, we should throw together like this soul night thing. And the soul music wasn't really like 
wasn't really Kat's bag. She was coming from like the folk background and a folk duo um, with her best friend Maggie, and they were doing this project called Loveful Heights. And so it really like pushed her, and but obviously she she crushed it. It was great, and like uh, it took off. But that's how it started. Shane was like, "Let's throw together a soul band." And I wasn't the first, um, the very first iteration. I forget who it was, but it was somebody else. And then you know, different the the personnel with that band changed a lot. And like we started without horns before we added horns and. That's a, that's a story. And for all our listeners out there, our thousands of listeners, <laughs> this is all happening at the Radio Bean, right. uh, a little restaurant music venue in Burlington. The this these soul sessions. That's right. I remember first going to see you guys and hearing Cat's voice, and I think like Amy Winehouse was pretty big at the time, so I like mm. couldn't help but be like, oh my god, she sounds just like Amy Winehouse, and maybe because like the music was in a similar vein like the dap Definitely. kings kind of vibe retro um, soul for sure yeah i was just blown away yeah i was a pretty and that night like continued on for how many years did you I guys think it was do five that? or six years we did holy that shit which every is kind of crazy what do you say every thursday every week yeah like every thursday pretty much every week unless what started to happen naturally is we'd start to leave town and then we'd start to get those thursday gigs we wouldn't really get too many like multiple week tours um, but we'd start to get the, the bigger weekend, you know, warrior shows like Thursday to Sunday, um, or we need to leave on a Thursday. So we'd skip a week here, skip a week there, but it was fairly consistent. I mean, it was definitely our gig. And then like other people would, would sub in and, uh, yeah, a lot of good times. That was like, those were really formative years for me as a bass player, really because of Danimal, because of Dan Ryan, like he anybody who's played with him knows that i mean drum it's all about drums for me and i'm, I'm sure you guys agree are in a similar boat yeah um, definitely so <laughs> daniel was like a his his sense of time and metronome was like so intense that it definitely changed all of my little you know quirks of rushing or falling back to my timing improved a ton playing with him for all of that time. I would say I credit him for that big time. Yeah. What you mentioned it a little bit too. What, so what do you think? 300 gigs maybe in that sort uh, of in that five years. Yeah. You think yeah, like probably I mean, maybe more. I don't, I don't know. We started to play. It's, it's hard to say that was a good question. I don't know. 300 gigs. Sure. In five years, at least, if not more. And those, a lot of the time, like you said, too, having different people kind of sub in and sub out and something like that. Like, yeah. what was that like for you guys? Like to have I mean, new people. It was people. awesome. There, I loved it. I, I looked forward to the gig every single week. I mean, at one point during its run, I lived on Church Street at the top block of Church Street. And it was like a dream situation. Yeah. I'd go to the radio, ba radio Bean and have a great time play you know good good music with good folks people were like enthusiastic and pumped about it and then i could stay as late as i wanted and just like i didn't you know this is like pre-kids everything and yeah. like i could just walk home yep have as many beers as i want it was a beautiful situation for sure and you could just roll up with just yeah, the, roll up yeah, the bass yeah. on uh with over your shoulder like with a gig bag 
nothing oh. else. Yeah, it was a it was beautiful. It was it was a good gig, for sure. And during that time too, so you mentioned a little bit about the Cat Band starting to do some touring a little bit. Yeah, what was that? Because because this is a large band. Yeah, <laughs> to start yeah, it touring, is a, it's a big band, and yeah. just like Bear Aquarium, this was like a seven eight piece band. Yeah, and we did the three horns for a while too, which was like kind of crazy eight piece band on the road. It was nuts, man, and you know that it's wild to think about all the folks that in the band were a little bit older and were a little bit like like for instance shane who's a, a little bit older older than us he was like cool with like doing the sleeping on the floor thing and everything and you know i was obviously cool with it i was still in my 20s and just like yeah let's go for it. this is awesome I, I believe in cat i believe in the project and people seem to be there was this buzz around town in the northeast like as we as the years went by, because it was, like I said, five, six years, the people that left, the, the college kids that left Burlington that used to come to Radio Bean, we'd show up in Portland, Maine or in Boston, and the kids that would come out to the show would be like, Radio Bean, like, we used to come every Thursday, and it was awesome, and we definitely had, like, this grassroots thing going on for a while, um, but it was financially, like, I mean, super difficult, like, we were not making it any money really you know reality strikes <laughs> reality hard. strikes hard dude and it was like it reached the point where you know like we had to assess who wanted to invest in the band and if you wanted to invest in the band and be like a fixture you took a pay cut and like you know the horn players didn't you know they would they, they were like we need at least 100 bucks which is totally fair and you know i was playing shows for like 50 bucks and like traveling around all like seven hour drives eight hour drives you know for 50 bucks i mean it's like it's at a certain point you're like I can't, this is not viable you know sustainable yeah yeah, yeah just so anyway, like and, that, and that, that's kind of like led us to where we are now where we're kind of like we've been pairing the 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 COVID time has like forced us to pare stuff down and take a reality check look at like where the band is at. And yeah, we've been doing like a bunch of trio stuff and it's, it's going really well, I'm really enjoying it. And it's kind of like we're pivoting, but still have taking like full band opportunities, but maybe five piece, maybe not full band. It's we're in like uncharted territory right now. And how, how does that feel? Is that, is, do you feel positive about this? new direction do you want to explain I, a little bit more of the new direction too for yeah so basically what happened was right before COVID hit um for the first time like we've had some opening slots over the years yep. for some great acts and you know heroes for sure but no no tours no like opening uh slots touring the country it was like new england primarily and we'd get really great opening slots the closer we were to burlington because we of our draw in burlington and um right before COVID hit we got an offer to open for the wood brothers and the offer was for originally it was just for cat solo and she's not an instrumentalist so she was like can i bring josh and bob and so that was our first like okay let's throw together a trio set what is that gonna look like and it was awesome it was definitely a little intimidating and i played that whole tour on electric bass which was looking back on it was a little like kind of a funny choice but i just didn't really have my upright chops together so 
that kind of to go around and do that and get the react we were still getting great reactions sold more merch than like we've ever sold before and it was just like well maybe yeah. i don't need the everybody you know kind of like one of those moments sucks to suck <laughs> no i'm just, yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so so yeah and then and literally like that was our last tour then we did a few more full band shows after that in march covid hit and we were like well let's like reassess and so it was a it was a natural way for us to kind of start exploring this trio format and i started playing more upright bass which felt really good it kind of and we were inspired by the wood brothers and everything that they do and we were like that was, it was kind of like this i don't know aha moment where we were like maybe we can do like do that and cat's really always been a super folk conscious person like that's her real roots so it was for her it's funny looking at it and talking about it now because as far as like an artist's um, path, we feel like we did it backwards where it's like we started with the big band yeah. and now we're like paring it down. Whereas right, I feel like most right. people start with the small band and as they you know blow up, hopefully they can like add players, you know, because like they, that's just, they can afford them. So we're kind of going at it from the opposite way, but it's cool because what I'm really, what's, what's making me less, I, I, obviously I was mourning a little bit the big, the big band thing and I like, I had some trepidation about it because I feel like after so long, we've kind of cultivated a set where we can like roll into a room and do our thing and know that it's good and, you know, whatever, have the confidence. But we have like built a team. We've got a great booking agent and a great management team and they're into the trio. So it's like, well, if we've got great management and booking, and they want to book us as a trio. Awesome. Like that's kind of the hardest thing when you're starting out is having a team. You're just on your own. So yeah, like I'm looking forward. I'm the future. I'm being cautiously optimistic. Um, is one of the reasons why you weren't playing stand up like upright bass because Chris Wood is all is like watching hundred and ten percent and yeah. he's so ridiculously good <laughs> yeah I was really intimidated I was like I am not gonna just jump into this thing because I played upright a bunch in you know at UVM but we're talking literally 10 years later like where all of my gigs were electric I had zero upright gigs it basically just lived in my apartment and then house as like a piece of art that would stand up and like stare at me and be like i'm still you know i'm still here how you doing (laughs) still here still here so and and you're playing opening up for the guy that you were listening to back in college studying all that jazz yeah totally yeah so it's like big time really intimidated so i was like i'm gonna do what and i talked i talked to some friends about it and asked their opinions on like what i should do and the advice that I got, and I think it was the right move, was to just like do what you're comfortable with for this tour, which I feel very comfortable as an electric, electric, good, you know, electric bassist. So that's what I did. Did my thing. I'm glad I did. If I were to do it again now, like definitely would do upright. Um, I feel like a totally different player at this point, just with how much COVID has given us the chance to practice and for me to get my my chops back up show so. us those calluses show us <laughs> those know? calluses baby yeah because when i first started picking that shit back up blister central man Ooh. yeah that's so. one thing why or one reason why i've had i've had so much respect for upright bass players over the years yeah. it's just like the the physical nature of the instrument and the fact that you just need to 
the the no frets thing and just it being a beast of a of a instrument and just it's it's tough it's like it's probably hard. physically uh wearing it on is, your body man. and your yeah. your hands your wrists your fingers whatever yeah and it definitely is but i would encourage if there's any bass players out there listening and they can afford to get a an upright bass even a cheap one i think it's it did so much for my playing on the electric as well for your ears first and foremost i mean it's all about the ears you, intonation is key and like hearing that is only going to improve your ears and then physically your like fit your hand strength increases from playing and then you play differently it's like more every note on the upright is so intentional you, you know a guitar you can kind of like wiggle way through but it's like you have to be confident when you're playing on the upright so it's it, it it's good it's cool what uh any any like kernels of knowledge from chris wood during that tour about bass playing or touring or whatever so no he didn't really drop he was the one of the three of them yep. that was like a little bit more reserved um he didn't he, he was perfectly kind and nice but he wasn't like oliver wood was like total gandalf character yeah. and just like <laughs> yeah. super nice amazing yep. um very welcoming first night of tour comes like right into the room and just made us feel because we were nervous man those guys are like our heroes yeah and um but no the thing i took from chris and really all those guys but especially chris is their work ethic and practice routine like every single day when you know they were at the venue you i'm i'm watching chris shed he's like warming up like a trumpet player or sack you know like a horn player like yeah he's he's keeping his chops up which is something that personally on the electric i i just don't do anymore i like show up at the gig do the sound check have dinner or whatever chill and, and do the show i'm not really warming up much and he is just like shedding every single day and as a band they would have like what the 30 minutes like before they'd play or approximately they would have rehearsal like in a room before they're set every single night and it was like super inspiring that's pretty cool yeah yeah work ethic man so yeah you and like probably who knows what the percentage is 85 percent of musicians just they show up to the gig and just play you know you're not practicing all the time and or like in like vocal warmups, I, I think mm -hmm. back now and wish like with Chamberlain, we would warm up our vocals, but like probably not enough. Just all all around in general, probably not enough. Like mm -hmm. warming up your voice is so important. And same oh. with your fingers and, and your your, ma your mouth. If Totally. <laughs> if you're a horn player. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. It's 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 easy to forget to do that, but it's pretty crucial. Yeah. Yeah, and it was inspiring to see them all do it together too and like take their craft and their song and their art so seriously, you know? Because I don't know, I feel like in my head, some of like my heroes, they probably are just like having a good time and just like not worrying about it. But like they are, you know, they're taking it super professionally, super serious, and it's humbling and inspiring. Was that like a month long tour or so? Yeah, it was like two and a half weeks and it ended at the Ryman in nashville Whew. which was like amazing and that's their hometown it was 
it was a total dream tour and like a real eye opener for us on what like we should maybe be doing. What did those few gigs after that tour, the the full band gigs, what did those feel like? Did you did you feel like you're almost like cheating on your partner because you're like <laughs> in your head you're like oh that trio stuff felt pretty good and then you're like oh but it, you know like t- walk us through that. I, honestly, no. It, going to the full band after the trio was like a super release at least for me and bob because like we were like dying for drums i mean it's really hard to do a trio without it's first of all being a bass player without a drummer on stage is terrifying and really difficult um so to then have the drum it was like such a fucking release it was like oh yes i can just lean in with the drummer that feels pretty good you know so like moving, you know, moving forward with the trio, it was it was more of like, ooh, maybe when we do a trio, we should have a drummer. Ooh, it was kind of yeah, a, splitting the difference there. <laughs> that's yeah. that's smart. Yeah, maybe not have an eight piece, but like yeah. a four piece, four piece. So after this tour, and then also after like the beginning of the pandemic and everything, you guys mm-hmm. started recording the first of a series of of EPs. Yeah, not right away, yeah. but we started like practicing. And we started getting like those live stream offers that, you know, people were getting. And we did a few of those. And then I'm trying to remember, it's like December or January or February that we recorded the first EP. And uh, yeah, we're in the middle of recording another one right now. Do you want to talk nice. a little bit about the recording process and what that EP is about and the vibe for people? Yeah, sure. So we are lucky that we have a studio space down on marble ave in south burlington well not really south burlington but the south end of burlington Mm -hmm. and um we just the way we're doing the process right now is we're figuring out what tunes we want to do so we'll just practice together see what tunes feel right come up with an arrangement and then we'll live track drum i mean uh bass and guitar Mm -hmm. and then cat will sing a scratch and we'll we've isolated it enough that that there's really not much vocal bleed and then she can retrack her vocals that's pretty much the process we're doing and then we're we're you know tracking uh bob and i's vocals or background vocals after that as well that's our like current kind of process we you know depending on the song i think we would do everything live and like try and sing all together in an ideal world but um that's what's been working the best How's and, um, we're recording it ourselves, but then we're s- sending it off to people to mix it. So it's a little scary for us because none of us are really engineers. I'm really new to the like mm-hmm. production world. And, um, but I, th- I think we kind of thought there's no drums involved really. So it's not like rocket science, it's like putting up yeah. a few mics, you know, and yeah. you know, and it's pretty raw. We're going for like the dem, almost a demo yep. vibe, like super yep. intimate. Even some of the tunes were like, maybe this will be cool to redo again with like a, a drummer and a full band on a, like a full length album at some point. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like open ended. We don't really know. We're just. Nobody knows what the hell's going on. <laughs> We're just taking it as it comes. And if it sounds good, hopefully people like it, you know. Just trying to get some content out there. Sounds like, yeah. you know, like. Yeah. And it's also, it's been such a long time. Our only full length <laughs> record, you know, been a band for almost 10 years. We really only have one full length album. 
And that was in 2016, which was like almost five years ago. And, you know, the longer, you, you know, you go away from recording, like the more anticipation and like build up an expectation for the next one to be good is. And I was really proud point. of our record by my side, which we released in 2016. And like the longer we don't go without releasing, everything starts to feel stagnant. You know, you're like, what are we doing? And so, but we were just playing so many shows. It was hard to like do it. I don't know. Lots of, lots of reasons. Yeah. Didn't you have a session and record a couple of tracks with Eric Krasno from Lettuce and Soul Live? Yeah. Like is, is that shelved for now or like, will it resurface via we're the next we're hoping, full length or what do you, what do you think? Yeah. We're hoping it resurfaces. Like we, uh, we went out there. It's crazy to think that we went out there two years ago. But yeah, two years ago, we went out there and recorded nine and a half tracks and it was awesome. And we just haven't had the chance. Like we were going to maybe do some of it remotely, but then we started doing this trio thing. It's just like, it's complicated. And there's, there is a lot of money involved in the, in it. So we're some of the tracks that we recorded with Eric, we like, we would love to, we've have changed a little bit because we've played some of them as the trio now and it's like a different vibe. Some haven't. Some we've like haven't. We're like consciously not touching because we want to keep it for that record. So, to answer your question, I don't know. And that's okay. Yeah. yeah. I think this is a good example or lesson of like. And I've been, I've been practicing this via therapy. Is and it's not. It's like trying to not be so urgent, like and feel like you gotta fix something right away or like. Mm you know, like not spastically, but like just frantically feel like you got to solve something or finish something. It's more of just like life has been complicated lately, you know, like just let things fall into place how they may. Right. Totally. And I mean, the tricky part is for us, we feel like a lot of our fans are like dying for new music. They're like, yo, what is taking you so long? You know, (laughs) which is totally valid. But, you know, COVID hit and like we were in the process of doing one with Eric and then COVID hit. So it was like, well, everything's cool. Be cool, man. Yeah. Be cool. <laughs> so you, um, I had the, I, I work pretty consistently with Ben Collette at the tank too. So I, I, when I was over there, I got a chance to hear some of the stuff that you, you guys were doing there. Is that going to be your process? Pick three, four five songs kind of record them on your own, bring them to Ben and Rob and have them kind of button them up, do some recording over there and just have that be the plan for like, is it two more EPs that you're thinking like a three part series? Yeah. Something like that. Yep. That's the idea. And we, I, I was like, the moment we got back the first mixes from Ben, I was like, this was a good idea. And I think, I think he did a great job. So yeah, that's, that's what we're going to keep doing for now. Those, couple of videos you released by the lake too, Lake Iroquois. Those were really cool. Thanks, man. Yeah, I really dug those. Thanks. Yeah, those were live takes, obviously. Yeah. They're beautifully shot too. Like that yeah. dude, Miles, Miles He's David cool. Jewell. Is that yeah, it? Yeah, that's he it. He seems like a pro beyond pro. Like He's just awesome. really good at what he I does. I highly recommend him for anybody who's looking for some video needs. He's awesome. Um, sick. Uh, let's go, let's dive in a little bit to some of the Moonwake stuff for you. So you want to talk a little bit about that project that you've started? 
Yeah. So basically COVID hit, I was trapped at home and I was <laughs> like <laughs> craving doing something. And I felt like I owed it to myself to try. And um, I think it was Dan Ryan actually, who was like, we should make some like lo-fi beats, man. Like lo-fi hip hop beats. And I was like, okay, cool. And so I just did a little digging on my own. I wasn't like super hip to the scene. I didn't really know much about it, but I scratched the surface and was like, oh, wow, people listen to this music, like just to relax and study to and focus like, like millions and millions of people are listening to this every day. So like, let me, let me like take a stab at it, doing it on my own. And also before doing that, I had taken one production class, like a 30 month class. And that like deep dove me into Ableton a little bit, forced me to like learn some shit. And next thing I know, I'm like, all right, let me see if I can like do something and, you know, write some jams. And over my life, I've never really written any full songs, not really a lyricist, although like I'd love to be just having like, it's just willpower. I just haven't like pushed myself to do it. And most of the songs that I've written are just like seeds. They're just like little tiny bass picture, bass player coming up with a little bass group. Yeah. Like, That's cool. Yeah. End of song. Yeah. Right. <laughs> not, nowhere to go. But the cool thing about lo-fi beats and lo-fi hip hop in general That's is the it. tunes are like freaking one minute, 45 seconds, two minutes. They are a vamp for a lack of a better word from you know for any musician like that's wondering and i was like i can definitely write some vamps so that's what i started doing and it, i was able to pump out like a ton of, i felt like you mark i was like i've just wrote like 20 songs you know like bam pumping it out and um, bam baby <laughs> and uh so then i that's that's basically how it started and um uh I don't really know what else to say. It's I've, I've been putting them out. I've been trying to be like consistent about putting one out, putting a song out maybe like week to every two weeks and just with a goal of being like, maybe I could get on one of these playlists and like people could start to listen to it. I'm not, I'm really actively trying not to overthink any of them. Um, and cause I mean, I'm, I bet you guys are the same way. Like I'm definitely a perfectionist as far as like wanting it to sound good, you know? And once you get in the box, you're like, it's so easy to be perfectionist. But, um, with this type of stuff, I'm just like, just drop it in the river, drop another one in the river, build it up, like, and just be consistent and see what happens. And the real, the, the, the real thing is it's fun. It's I'm enjoying doing it. So like, I might as well just keep going. If it was like a, a if it felt like a job, I, I'd stop. Um, and maybe reassess, but I'm like having fun doing it. And now I'm making like little videos and like enjoying getting into like that world too and getting inspired by some people on the internet. And so I'm just like, fuck it. Let's just like see what happens. And hopefully some people like it. Yeah. I don't know. I think I think the response has been great and like I've been, I've just been so impressed by like you said the consistency. I feel like you're rolling out a tune once a week every couple of weeks like and it's it's so good too for you just being 
fairly new to the production Thanks, side of things. Like I'm super impressed. Thanks. And man. like, I feel like it was maybe just yesterday you posted a little teaser of a new one and that one, well, like every pr- pretty, pretty much every single one. I'm like, Oh yeah, this is sick. And <laughs> feel inspired by it and like want to put vocals to it. And, but that one yesterday, like I got to hear more of that one. That was like groovier, and yeah. like funkier or just I don't know it really they all kind of do this to me but that one was like even more so I was like whoa I gotta hear more of that That's is that awesome. gonna come out soon or is, was that just a little that was just a little something I, I don't know I, I basically some songs are just like literally on my in my like arrangement view are 8 or 16 bars and that's mm-hmm. it and some are, are longer that was one of like the short ones that I just basically wrote a little groove a little vamp and then that was it and i was like i'm gonna make just a little video i don't know maybe i'll revisit it and turn it in yeah stretch it out i've kind of like developed a little bit of a formula i'm trying not to be like too tied down to it but i've definitely started to develop how to like turn what is 30 seconds into two minutes easily by layering you know the whole thing filtering things in and out here and there yeah you know all those all those things um so yeah what's your man i appreciate it what's your um like sound library approach like do you do you search for packs do you use splice do you follow the count or i follow the count for sure yeah i've got some of his drums i love his drums they're awesome and cymatics i use a bunch of their stuff too and like i started with really trying to be like super chill like with the concept of of doing of relaxing people yeah but like I'm kind of now just being like, whatever, it, it doesn't yeah. have to be, it could be, any, if it's funkier, like that last one you're talking about, Mark's a little bit like, I wouldn't call that, I'm going to put that on as I'm like in the bathtub. That's more like, oh, this is like funky, you yeah. know? And I'm, so I'm just like, <laughs> whatever goes, I don't really care. And what I'm really excited about is now, I, I feel like I'm at a point where I would love to just collaborate with everybody, all my friends, both of you guys. And um, I got a song coming out tomorrow with, my buddy Colin Lennox on mm-hmm. guitar. He was like, he just sent me. He was like, yo, I think this would be cool for your lo-fi thing. Boom. What's that's like, let's work, Sick. you know? So I'm excited to do that. And I feel like that is kind of the, the MO for the people in this world is like, yeah, just collaborate. And really, really the bigger musical, I feel like industry as a whole, it's all about collaboration now and people just sharing each other's like, circles so like if you collaborate with so-and-so all of a sudden all these ears will be on your stuff that wasn't on it and like so that's that's kind of what i'm hoping to to do with it and just yeah connect with people and i don't know see what happens that's sick i mean they sound awesome i am also a fellow ableton um user and nice freaking love it use pro tools for years and now just like the user interface, the ability to, to work through it and for creating beats, writing music, you know, arranging all those different things. Ableton is tremendous. Have you ever thought about turning that into a live set, solo set, something like that? It's funny. I like before doing this, I, um, I listened to a little bit of, uh, your guys interview with, uh, Lupo. Yep. Louis and, um, I was like, all oh, right, like, I guess like people do this live, you know, like they use, it's kind of the reason why Ableton is what it is, is because it's Ableton live. It's meant to be used 
live or it's very con conducive to yep. that. And I haven't reached that point yet or even crossed that bridge, to be honest. But maybe one day I'll try and do that. I just feel like I'm too busy and I'm already kind of a little nervous that when things pick back up with the trio and like live gigs that yep. it's going to be like when am i going to do this but we'll see what happens i mean i have a kid now we'll see how touring really goes i'm just kind of taking it one day at a time um that would be cool though i just don't really i don't i don't I also don't know if i have all the gear or i mean it's always like you always feel like you need something but probably not I yeah i don't know I, I mean i so i've performed live solo for you know, many times before with Ableton, but over the last like 18 months or whatever it is, I've perfected how to, to use Ableton as a solo artist. And I'm yeah. playing at foam in, in May doing solo, doing live looping with synths and all sorts of shit like that. It's so much easier than you think, but it's just like, it's with Ableton with anything. There's this learning curve where you're like, you look at it and you're like, how the fuck am I going to do this? And then all of a sudden you do it. You're like, Oh, okay. Well, this is super easy. So just like we a little hang out. We need to hang out, dude. I need, I need, I need a, like a one-on-one. -on -one. I would love to book a lesson with you. Yeah. I could come over. I have an Ableton push. I also have like a launch pad. Like there's lots of different things that you can use yeah. and it's just practicing it and watching people do it. It's just the reps. Like the last, you know, honestly, the last two months, every single night, I've just been recording beats live, like, perf like performing basically to prepare for this set. So it's that's awesome, dude. Fuck, man, I gotta get Ableton. I'm not even on. <laughs> I'm not even on the, that game, <laughs> dude. Wait, that's also, okay, how do though. You, how do you get the counts beats? Like, because I know the you count. Just go to like, his website. How do, how do you physically do that? He's got a sample pack, man. Yeah. Yeah, like, you just go to his website, and yeah. he, you could just. And you just he's got, download he's got it. Tons of them. Yeah, tons you pay for it, and you just download it. How many? How much space does it take up, roughly? I mean, not that, I, it depends on the size of the pack. Not that much. Right. I can pull yeah, up like this, no more than any other. Like, do you use uh, samples at all, Mark? Yeah, I'm like I'm still a Logic guy, you know. Like I'm just kind of. You can use samples in Logic, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I've just always been slower to um, adjust or like I've always yeah. been like behind the game with technology a bit. Like it just takes me more time to trust it or like get familiar with it. But like I've always obviously been getting better at the engineering production side of things so like yeah and i feel like i've hit my max with logic so i'm looking to expand my sounds and just the workflow yeah. mainly just the the sounds i'm like i've i've used all the good ones in logic yeah. you know i i would say i i'd recommend like if you're you've put in that much time with logic already you're super probably super fast and savvy with it exactly i wouldn't necessarily bail on logic because you, you can once you're there you can get you can get all of the same things that you know that we're using you won't have the same layout necessarily and you might not be able to do this the lot like the thing that will's talking about with like the live session if you think but actually logic also is starting to get some of that stuff and yeah they have that too i don't yeah. know that much about the live feature however as far as like arranging a song you can get you know, all the plugins or like all of the sounds and samples that you would use for Ableton, you can use that in Logic. It's the same. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm not really looking to abandon Logic. I just want new new tones, really. Totally. totally. Yeah, I, I mean, I could send you, next time I see you, I'll, I'll put the, I have like the last two count um, sample packs that have loops, have a bunch of snares, a bunch of hi-hats, all different stuff yes. like that, that you can just plug in wave files, turn the pitch up or down, 
you know, EQ however you want, and you can kind of turn them into your own sounds. And so. all of the sounds are just straight up crispy, man. They're mm -hmm. like perfect. I love it. I want it. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Definitely recommend that. Back to you having a kid, like, yeah. Did having Tommy change how you view music, how you write music? Tell us about having a kid and how that coincides with your music. Uh, with my music, I'm not necessarily like writing. Um, my inspiration hasn't necessarily changed, probably because there's not, I don't really, there's not like, again, I'm not really a lyricist, so I'm not really putting any lyrical content in there, but definitely reassessing like my just overall outlook on everything and what I want to prioritize. Um, it's been a super, it's been super silver lining-esque with the pandemic because I've just been able to spend all this time with him when I probably would have been doing the weekend warrior thing or touring more extensively. So I feel super grateful that I've gotten all of this time. And like I said before, I don't, I don't really know what the future holds. I don't know how hard we're touring and, um, I just don't know. So I'm I, currently in the, I'm just like super filled with love all the time. <laughs> and I'm very <laughs> excited for him, him to come see me play live last summer. He, he kind of, you know, didn't get to see much and, um, he like got to come to a drive through show, but he was really just too young. Now yeah. he's so obsessed with music. He loves music. It's adorable and amazing. And he can identify instruments and he knows, cat and bob and the voices and everything grateful dead whatever like it comes on and he like knows what it is and it's just amazing i got this drum set down here and all he wants to do every day is go downstairs and play the drums and it's amazing it's a true blessing i'm so grateful for him every day i know you guys know what i'm talking about oh, yeah this is a boys club over here mark and i got four combined so we're right we're all about that club yeah <laughs> and you're yeah. st you're stay at home dad and for forever, right? Forever, big time. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, it's awesome. And you know, like if I wasn't if I was touring, we'd probably it'd be a different situation right now, particularly with daycare and like whatnot. So I love it, man. It's I mean, it's the best thing in the world. So it really is, right? I feel bad anytime a friend asks me about like a, a non dad that like is like hasn't had kids or like isn't is like never sure of like if they really want to do it i'm always like do it do it <laughs> do the just deed do it. just do it it's the best thing ever but again everybody's experience is different i don't want to come off like uh in any weird way but yeah i mean my they will drive you fucking crazy so right like especially... i also want to freeze where he is right yeah. now he's he's going to be two in july yeah. and he is in the perfect stage and I see the kids that are a little bit older that are like, I I'm going to have a panic attack. I, he, we finally are able to go to the playground. And yep. like, he's just so amazing and I love it. And, but he's not like, you know, giving me a total heart attack yet yep. and, yep. or whatever, all the things he's like, he he's can't talk that, back really. Yeah. yeah. He can talk. He's, uh, his vocabulary is, but he can't like, like right. uh, go against you. Is yeah, what totally. I'm yeah. Trying yeah. to say, or, he can't yeah. really throw a full on tantrum yet. You know? I know that's what's coming. <laughs> yeah, or yeah, that is a pretty nice stage right there. The like one and a half to two range it feels that's like nice. a it feels like a sweet spot. Uh, you guys would know, but it feels like a sweet spot. I mean, I don't know. I feel like I'm one of the 
people that's like every age is a sweet spot. I have a three-year-old and a five-year-old. So kindergarten, once they go into that stage is just the cutest thing ever. And he's coming back, telling me about stuff. And then my youngest son, Malcolm's like three and a half and he's just like hilarious, but, but a little fucking monster too, you know? And it's so cute to see a kid that's in that sort of three and a half stage where they're like figuring out who they are in the world. And they're like, Oh, I'm like, I can talk. I can stand up straight. I can do pull-ups. I can use the remote. You know, they're like, holy shit, this is world out here. You know, it's like totally. every stage is just, I think every stage is better from, in my experience. Nice. Nice. And Mark just, feel good. Mark just decided to just start over and go right back to, <laughs> to changing diapers and being up all night. Yeah. So. I was how's like, that, just, how's that going? <laughs> uh, it's been an adjustment for sure, but um it's finally like getting to a familiar like a we're in a groove now you know and win is luckily a really chill happy baby like so smiley so cute um but it's been an adjustment for sure i bet man and i really need that free time and that time to create and like get my willies out so to speak (laughs) and the loss of freedom i've been morning a bit you know like it's i certainly feel a lot busier and with less time to myself but that's just how it goes and you got to remember that it's fleeting you know that they grow up fast and yeah i could go on about this all day <laughs> i know we usually we'll have, do we'll talk about it soon but i'm but sure this is about you man <laughs> um let's let's end with a bunch of quick questions for you um, hit me Uh, bring it on baby who who is uh one of your favorite local artists that you don't know very well there's this guy will andrews i don't really (laughs) know him very well but i really do (laughs) like his music and i was thinking we could probably be friends so yeah wolverine yeah i'm a fan i'm a fan as well cool anyone else madela ever heard of (laughs) madela Yeah, I will, obviously, but I feel like I know Mark pretty well at this point. So, yeah, you know, hey, hey, <laughs> um, anybody else? I don't really know. Like I know of him and like I know some of our circles cross, but I don't really know Henry Jameson and I am a fan of his music for sure. Um, I know you guys probably know him or Mark. I, I know you. Yeah, Mark knows you him. Definitely know him. I know him um, a little bit. Yeah, but I've definitely never had to hang with him and. I've heard a bunch. I've like actually heard a bunch of his music and some like also like Caroline Rose. I yep. mean, I don't know if she considered local anymore. I don't know, but like, guess not, but she was for a little while. Right. But also like really dig her stuff. And yeah, I love Francesca, but I do know her and um, yeah, I don't know. We're lucky. We got so many amazing local people. This show is perfect. Like you guys are going to be able to yeah, like the list is never ending, man. The list is basically. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's never like ever ending. growing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, as a bass player, favorite bass line? Um, I think I'm going to go with like Billie Jean by Michael Jackson. Um, that was like the, f- that, that was like the first song. I was super little. I was like probably under 10 years old, but that was like the first time that the bass I saw what it could like do as far as dancing and like making me want to dance and move. 
Like when I was in elementary school, I did a talent show where I did Billie Jean, like the whole dance and everything. And like, that was like, it kind of, it kind of put me into like performance a little bit when I, when I look back and think about it, but that, so that Michael in general, but that song particularly, and then like, you know, fast forward, probably like, I don't know, meters, like maybe a sissy strut or something like that. Like a super classic bass line that just you're like, wow, bass can do this, you know, or Sly Stone. I don't know. There's so many, there's, there's so many bass lines. It's hard to pick just one. I'll go with Billie Jean. Billie Jean. Um, bass player, favorite bass player. Oh, probably. <laughs> Sorry. Mm. I'm just laughing at that, that noise. You just made. <laughs> I mean, that's a tough one favorite living like living or just in general your favorite bassist or one of your favorite or a group of your favorite sort of okay like two that come off to right off the mountain first one that comes to mind immediately is um is james jamerson and uh george porter jr meters and obviously motown like i listened to a lot of that stuff and learned a ton about like playing and then like oteal burbridge is one of my superheroes um and yeah i'm super inspired by everything he's ever done so I, i'll put those three have you ever met oteal i haven't i would love to i've heard stories of him i'm like the circles are getting closer like a little bit my my good friend uh johnny kimmock who i know mark you just worked with him like he's played with oteal a bunch and um so it's like it's happening closer i'm, he's I'm like He's like right there, but he's not like quite. Right there. I just can't touch him yet. Yeah. Um, and I, him and like the, the, the Derek trucks world, like that's been really, really influential on me as a musician and a, a listener for a long time now. Yeah. I ask about meeting him because I feel like he's one of these artists that like a lot of people have met just like mm. in passing. Like I met, I used to work at, uh, music hall in Troy and he came in with his band and I met him there. And like, for some reason, I feel like a lot of people have hung with him for some reason. Yeah. I don't know why it's just like, totally cats um, was cat was on a gig that he was on. And so like they've met, but I wasn't, I wasn't there. So one day it'll happen. He's it'll as happen. cool as it gets, man. Super, super cool. Um, awesome. He I've, does I'm just seem surprised. like a really chill, nice guy. Just, yeah. you know, and that's yeah. probably why so many people have met him. Cause yeah. it's just like, outgoing right yeah down to earth totally um who's uh like one of the last couple artists that you've been listening to on spotify like what what have you been listening to lately <sighs> what have i been listening to well do you guys know emily king oh yeah she was just on the she mark was just Mark Rebier live stream. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. I haven't checked her out yet, but I saw that she sang with Mark Rebier. So. She's awesome. Yeah. I love everything she does. I'm like a big fan of hers. What's her stuff like? It's hard to describe. She's very, it, it's definitely got some R&B vibes. She like, she has a unique thing where she doesn't like push her voice too hard. It's like in this particular range, she works with this producer, J-Most and musician and they just like have a sound if you don't it's difficult to it's difficult to explain i just i highly recommend listening to it it's got some pop sensibilities but um very mature very really good songwriting um yeah 
Emily King, all of her stuff. I've kind of, it's like always on, on repeat. And after the Wood Brothers tour, I was like getting super deep into the Wood Brothers, listening to them all the time. As I was like starting to play upright again, I was like, I might as well just learn their whole catalog because I'm super inspired by, <laughs> by him and them. So both of those guys, Wood Brothers and I guess Emily King. Uh, what What's the first CD that you had when you got your license? Oh. When you were driving around when you first got your license, what what were the CDs that were in your car? It's probably like Dave Matthews Band, Listener Supported. Okay. Um, probably. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, probably Green Day. Maybe I was a little bit all over the map back then. Um, Fela. I, my buddy Jake, I kind of just like, he lived down the street from me and he just gave me everything. He got me into fish. I was like really into fish for a hot minute. Um, I mean, I still like them, but it's just like, I was pretty deep for a while. And so, yeah, I guess stuff like that. I don't, I don't know. It's hard to remember. That's a good question. Like, do you remember was, all the stuff in your car? At oh that yeah. Time? Oh yeah. I was listening to uh Snoop Dogg, the last meal, uh, D'Angelo voodoo, uh, oh, yeah. Rage Against the Machine, Battle of Los Angeles. Um, yeah, they're way was... too cool, man. You're way too cool. Yeah, yeah. That was that's any... yeah. I don't know. Acid jazz. I was starting to get into acid. Oh, and I don't know if this came out when I got my license, but like a go go, the Schofield Modesky. Oh yeah, baby. That, that one yeah. was like perma on repeat oh, all yeah. the time. I listened to that for like five six years straight almost like right yeah that was on repeat a lot yeah that was that was one of them too i was listening to like dave matthews band and like dashboard confessional and like <laughs> sugar ray <laughs> fuck yep. i look bad no i mean that's shit dude we all have our journeys man yeah. it's all good <laughs> um yeah a lot uh, of fish too <laughs> yeah. yeah um what what do you suck at musically josh uh, definitely writing lyrics. At least I'm inexperienced. I don't know if I necessarily suck at it. But I haven't really tried it enough. I don't think I'm very good at the drums, but I really want to be. Um, hey, 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 but you're playing them in that video, I thought. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's be real. Is that a sample? How dare yeah. you? Yeah, I mean, come on. The internet's free range, dude. It's Wild West. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know. Yeah, Truly. That's, yeah, there's there's no microphones on that drum set. Yeah, so right. Um, yeah, I wish I do want to be a like I really would love to be good at the drums, but again, it's just like you guys know now. Like, there's only so much time in the day now with the kiddos, so it's like I'd rather just be if I could be spending an hour practicing drums or an hour working at Moonwake stuff. I'd rather just be working on Moonwake. So you guys get it, I'm sure. Priorities change. Priorities change, man. Um, yeah. what are you really good at musically? I've, I don't know if this is a music thing necessarily, but I like to think I'm, I don't know if it's an energy thing, but I've heard this f from other people that on stage, at least playing with other people, I'm really good at keeping things positive and light. And I smile a lot on stage. I think I'm good at making people happy. You're you're very good. I don't know. You're very like, fun to play with on stage. I don't know if that's a thing musically. Like, um, 
I think it's I'm a, pretty. It's a radiation it, thing. You're radiating all those things you just said. I'm enjoying. Sure. I'm really good at. I'm. I guess I'm good at enjoying playing music. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, that's awesome. <laughs> that's <laughs> like honestly the best answer yeah, we've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> like I really, uh, you know, I truly. I'm grateful for every moment, especially now more than ever. I've gotten a few times now to get back on stage. And like I recently, two days ago, did a dead set at Nectar's and we were on the roof and it was okay. It was fine. But I like, I cannot wait to be connecting with the people like in front of me again, because that is like what I do it for. So I just love that relationship. I mean, that's, that's it. Uh, do you have, yeah. Josh, do you have anything to plug? Anything coming up? Anything people should look for for you? In Burlington? Not really. Just look out. I, like, I play a lot with the like those dead set guys and I the Moonwake. Look up. Really, if you if you want to support me, like go follow me on all the streaming platforms. Moonwake. Okay, just just Moonwake on Instagram on Moonwake Beats, um, whatever I'm on all those streaming things, Bandcamp, whatever it is, that would be awesome. And then look out for the next couple set of EPs from the Cat Right Trio in the next six months. Yeah, probably less. I mean, we're like almost done with this second one, so okay. I'm I'm in no liberty to say this, but probably June. I would imagine the next one, like early June, the next one will be out. And, uh, and then hopefully we'll just get started on the one after that and trying to make three or four this whole year. Sweet. I really enjoyed the first one. It's very warm and just beautiful sounding. We're going for that intimate vibe, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. You yeah, definitely like, achieve that. Like borderline, sure. borderline ASMR with Kat's voice, you know, it's kind of yep. like what we're going for. That's great. Well, thanks for taking the time and talking to us. Thanks for having me, y'all. Yeah.